And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar to us place of scripture that continues to contain the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God. That, that is not yet familiar to us, but that he can still reveal to us. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. This promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students, therefore people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves have no part to the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4, 13. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. The faith of God is information that comes from hearing the word of God. Faith is from hearing the word of God. These are not emotions, this is information that is called to lead our emotions toward the will of God. And our faith is obedience to this information, godly information. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which he sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated ones. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is practically the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of man, evidence of the fact that we are children of God because children of God are only those people that possess this peace that have made a covenant of peace with God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace abiding within the covenant of peace is actually the treasury of our hope in God, containing the bond of all of the promises of God. The achievement of these is the goal of the given to us righteousness. It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus because everything will depend on whether where our minds will be 
Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. During any time of sorrow or any loss that you may experience, you will keep the peace of God within yourself if your mind will be in Jesus Christ. And so the peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. When a person thinks that he needs to be materialistically prosperous, these are minds, this is the carnal mind, and this is resistant to God's will. God is not against you being prosperous, but he doesn't want you meditating about these things. He wants you to meditate about the things that are in heaven and not things on the earth. And so according to the given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind, these have no part to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace, who by the means of the peace of God will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind, that is within Christ Jesus, that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves, that we are the sons of peace and therefore the sons of God. Because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. These are people who are able to perform peace. Matthew 5.9 It is not possible to perform peace not having within yourself peace. This is why people are not able to be at peace on earth. They want peace but are not able to get to it. This is why in the churches there's chaos because people want to have peace but are not able to have it. Why? Because they don't have this peace in the heart. They were not taught how to receive peace into their heart, the peace of God into their heart. And so if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his destructive or fleshly life, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God in order to bear within our righteousness this fruits of peace, which is why the crown of righteousness of such people will be taken from them, giving them the right to the promise of peace in which they are able to be called the sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 in a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God. 
and have been studying the seventh sign. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. We're talking here about God's love, agape. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. We've noted that the selective love of God presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the seven unearthly qualities by the preached word of the apostles and prophets that we are called to demonstrate in our faith. And these are virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. In a specific format, these seven qualities that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of a selective love, we have already looked at five qualities. Therefore, we will immediately look at the sixth quality, and this is brotherly kindness or brotherly love. We note that the main purpose of the selective love of God, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, in brotherly kindness gives us the proper foundation and ability to pass from the state of death into the state of eternal life. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. <laughs> and hatred comes from jealousy. Cain had jealousy against his brother and he hated him and jealousy came because he was more successful <clears throat> when it comes to God and he had more revelations from uh, God than Cain did and so Cain hated him for that reason and because of jealousy killed him whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him if there's jealousy that is turned into hatred then this is a person who is a murderer that does not have eternal life that lives within him. By this we know love because we laid down, he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3, 14 through 18. When a person is born from God, he is faced with a choice, either to enter the state of death and become dead to God and useless for any good work, or enter into the state of eternal life that until now he has not been familiar with. And because of this, he then becomes useful for all good work and demonstration of brotherly love. Every person, we are born into a neutral uh, position Everything that's within the guarantee we receive should become our possession. Every person that is born from God is put into the same situation that Adam was put into in the Garden of Eden to whom eternal life was offered in the fruits of the tree of life and eternal death in the fruits of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Being a person of the flesh, Adam was called to eat of the fruits of the tree of life so that his carnal body would change into a heavenly body. Therefore, in order to eat of the fruits of the tree of life and change from being a carrier of life in the flesh 
to a carrier of the light of life of a different form, it is necessary by the means of demonstrating brotherly love in your faith to pass from the state of death into the state of life that would be able to become an atmosphere for the fortress of God. We know that the burning power of the love of God agape revealing itself in brotherly love is concealed in the commandments that are implemented by God. It is written, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 14, 15 through 17. Therefore, keeping the commandments of the Lord is demonstrating in your faith the selective love of God in brotherly kindness, providing God the right to move us from the state of death into the state of life, using our ability to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of our Lord and Master of our life. You see, although we are born from God, we still are within the state of death, and we need to save our soul. It is the Holy Spirit who identifies the state and atmosphere of life, who becomes within our heart the spirit of comfort, the spirit of truth, and will abide with us forever. And he will also be with us in the new heaven and new earth. Therefore, the ability to receive the Holy Spirit into your heart as the state of the Lord and master of your life only happens when you fulfill the commandments of Christ that regulate your relationship with God in your relationship with your neighbors for whom you are called to lay down your life so that you can provide God the right to pass or move us from death to life. Therefore, the goodness of God can be poured out exclusively into a heart that is cleansed from dead works in the love of God agape. And such a pour out of the love of God into our heart happens by the means of the Thummim in the form of the commandments of Christ and the Urim as the Holy Spirit revealing in our heart the essence of the truth contained in the commandments of Christ. Therefore, the love of God agape by the means of the Thummim and Urim abiding within our heart reveals itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love that governs with its power over the emotional storms of our human feelings by the confessions of the faith of our heart that abide within our heart. Confessing the faith of the heart controls our feelings as a good rider controls his restrained or disciplined horse. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, he puts bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also as ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. James 3, 2 through 4. To not stumble in word when demonstrating brotherly love is to speak about your neighbors not based upon what you hear with your ears or see with your eyes, but based on righteousness that is within the atmosphere of the commandments of God. What does God say about our brother? Not what we see them uh, visibly, but what does God say about them? Because we can see them with our eyes as very different. Just as person as Samuel, a person of God as Samuel, to find God's anointed one, he found him 
When he looked at the older brothers, Eliab, he says, truly, this is the one. And God said, no. And then Samuel said, it must be the next one. And God said, no, this is not the one. And he looked at all seven sons. And every time the Lord said, this is not the one, you're looking incorrectly. You're looking at the outward appearance of a man, but you need to look into the heart. If he would have looked with his heart to be able to sense the heart of these men, then he would understand that none of them would be the selected one. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. The poor of the earth are people that voluntarily have refused to rely or trust on anything else but God. These are those who suffer. These are those that suffer for the sake of the truth. According to this prophetic word, we conclude that one of the main reasons for brotherly kindness or brotherly love is to defend your brothers from slander spoken by the wicked and lawless that until a specific time will remain amongst the saints as weeds until a specific time remain or are present among the growing wheat. They are amongst the wheat until the harvest comes, until the wheat matures together with the weeds. And you can't tell the difference for a while. It's the same with the wicked and the lawless that present themselves as spiritual and holy men and fighting for as if some kind of truth or some kind of justice but being filled with jealousy inwardly and all kinds of evil hating those people that are above them in anointing or wisdom but they cover all of this they conceal all of this they have not yet matured fully into their wickedness and at the time of harvest they are fully matured and their wickedness will begin to be seen. Practically, such people will not even need to be expelled or disqualified. They themselves will fly out. They themselves uh, will uh, fly out. They will resist at first, of course. Angels will pluck them out from the nation of God, just as a wicked and a lawless one, and will reveal their wickedness, because they will ascribe their lawlessness to the saints, but the virtue of the saints, the goodness of the saints, will ascribe for themselves. Relevant to this, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. By what signs do we determine that a person is our brother, for whom we are called to lay down our life, so we can demonstrate in our faith brotherly love? because not all that are in the church are brothers they are called but not 
necessarily are. Second, what purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in our brotherly love for one another? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate within our faith the selective love of God in brotherly love? And by what results do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love one for another within the selective love of God? We will keep in mind that we are not talking about brothers by flesh and blood, but about brothers or brotherly love amongst the saints. As it is written, let brotherly love continue, Hebrews 13.1. We have noted that in the time of the law of Moses, as well as our time, which belongs to the law of grace, not all who call themselves brothers amongst the holy nation are, according to Scripture, the seed of God, or brothers in the faith. To be brothers in the faith is to be a seed of God. Because a weed is not a seed of God, they came, they are called, but they are not chosen. <clears throat> All of the called are weeds because they refuse to be the chosen. God selects the chosen from the called, not from the world. He calls people from the world into his church, a multitude of people, and out of this multitude of the called, he begins to select the chosen and amongst and so all of these uh, called uh, are the weeds and will go to hell because they refuse to be the chosen. They continuously rob and accuse and offend the chosen and ascribe their good qualities to themselves and ascribe their blemishes, their wrongs upon the righteous ones. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Romans 9, 6 through 8. The right to be called a brother for one another is something that includes all the saints of Christ, regardless of whether you are of the male or female gender. Because every time we are fertilized or inseminate ourselves with the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, then all of us without exception fulfill the function of a female, which is why the scripture calls us all. Again, we hear the seed, we accept, we accept it, but we need to accept it into the good soil. If we, got, if we have this good soil, then all of us without exception fulfill the function of a female because we receive the seed. We are inseminated with the seed, which is why the scripture call all of us the daughters, men and women call us daughters of Zion or the bride of the lamb. But every time we confess with our mouth the faith of God that we previously received and is now abiding within our heart, then all of us without exception when we confess this seed, this is the seed that abides within our heart, then all of us without exception, fulfilling as male and female, we fulfill the function of a male. Due to this fact, the scripture call all of us a perfect man that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ. Those who confess the faith of God with their mouth. Therefore, the term brotherly love includes all of the saints independent from the status we may hold our age and independent of whether we belong to the male or female gender. As it is written, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, Galatians 3, 28, 29.
The virtue that the scriptures ascribe a brother in Christ is the virtue of a neighbor. When the scriptures speak of brotherly love, then it is referring to a love that we are called to demonstrate for our brother as our neighbor. Not all so-called brothers in the church have the virtue of a neighbor. Therefore, we needed to provide comprehensive identifications of who is able to be called and who is able to be our brother in Christ Jesus as our neighbor. Because it is only by your neighbor are we able to have access to heaven and receive salvation. But first I want to remind us again of what God has done for us in order to lead us into the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, which we can only inherit by demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, considering that brotherly love occupies its rights and obtains its legal status and its legitimacy within when we comprehend the fact that we are in the status of spiritual infants that is attracted in va by var various winds of doctrine, by the cunning craftiness of deception of men, and we make the decision to leave the state of infancy. As in the carnal Adam, who was drawn to death, carnal men, including the category of spiritual infants, are drawn to death by various winds of doctrine and remain in the state of death. To leave the state of infancy is to acknowledge over yourself the authority of one person that is cloaked into the responsibility of a father from God by the means of a revelation in your heart and refuse the expanse of the internet as well as all evangelical events that are not under the authority of this person or this individual. In other words, an infant is attracted to every kind of doctrine and there are people, of course, that spread or speak these things. Second, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith. Without being instructed in the faith, this is not possible. It is by being instructed in the faith, leave and reject your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires of the soul that are cloaked into the garments of personal good works. We know many people who experience this, but that have no understanding of how to be cloaked into the true teaching of Jesus Christ, how to die for their nation, the house of their father, and for the corrupt desires of the soul. And so as soon as their nation, their nationality, their corrupt desires begin to demonstrate themselves, they immediately go to their side. Third, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith imprint upon the tablets of your heart that is cleansed from dead works, the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. When we're talking about one, two, and three, these are elements. These are not a sequence that you, to, that you are to follow, but these are all part of one whole. Fourth, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith except the Holy Spirit into your heart in the status of the Lord and Master of your life. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions in the purpose of brotherly love or brotherly kindness and stopped to look at the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate within our faith the selective love of God and brotherly love? In the previous services, we already looked at two signs. First, in order to demonstrate virtue in brotherly kindness, it is necessary to reject lies, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, 
because we are members for one the other. Second, in order to demonstrate brotherly kindness in the selective love of God agape, it is necessary not to devise evil against your neighbor when he lives with you for safety. Third, in order to demonstrate brotherly kindness in the selective love of God agape, it is necessary not to violate the boundary or move the landmark of our neighbor, which their forefathers have laid in their territories. You shall not remove your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set, in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Deuteronomy 19.14 You know that a landmark is a boundary that identifies territory of our inherited lot that has been given to us by God within the boundaries of the promised land, given to us as a cast lot, as a possession, Symbolically, our inherited lot that is given to us by God within the boundaries of the promised land is our possession, which identifies the territory of our sovereignty. Therefore, to move your neighbor's landmark is to infringe or invade the sovereign rights of our neighbor, and doing so pass from the state of life into the state of death. If you are within the state of life, but you infringe upon the rights of your neighbor, then you will pass from the state of life into death. You will return back to death. Additionally, in order to rule your lot that is within the boundaries of the promised land is only possible upon the rights of a stranger, one that is fatherless and one that is a widow. Because the lot of our inheritance as well as the possession or inheritance of our neighbor first is God's possession, which identifies the territory of his sovereignty. We become God's possession when by the means of the splitting power of the cross of Christ, we stop being the possession of our nation, the house of our father, and our destructive desires of the soul, being supported by the power of the old man. Therefore, infringing upon the sovereign rights of our neighbor, we first infringe upon the sovereign rights of God. Because our neighbor, as a stranger, one who is fatherless and one who is a widow, is the possession and holiness of God. The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession you shall grant redemption of the land. Leviticus 25. 23 and 24. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty, he will plead their cause against you. Proverbs 23:10-11. According to the given place of Scripture, we again are greeted with the characteristics by which we, we need or can identify our neighbor who is the possession of God in the form of a stranger, one who is fatherless and one who is a widow. Our love toward our neighbor needs to consist in us not infringing upon the landmark of the inherited lot of our neighbor so we can pass from death to life. Possessing the virtue of a stranger, one that is fatherless and widow, giving a person the right to the power to be called and to be a child of God, or the possession and holiness of God, our neighbor becomes especially defenseless or vulnerable because for the right to be called and be the possession of God, he consciously and voluntarily refuses to defend his personal interests so he can receive the right to the power to protect the landmark of his inherited lot from the position of belonging to God and God's interests. 
to infringe upon the landmark of our neighbor that is infringing upon his sovereign right upon the territory of his possession. That first is God's possession. We fall under a particular article of curse of the law, which was confirmed by Israel when sacrificing to God upon the heights of Ebal and Gerizim. Cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Deuteronomy 27, 17. This law was confirmed. In Hebrew, landmark is a mountain, boundary, borderline, edge, territory, province, barrier, encirclement, and belt. According to this list of definitions, we conclude that the lot of our inheritance in Christ Jesus in the form of a mountain as well as the lot of our neighbor is the precious promise of God. Mountains are always linked to God's promises. The landmark or borderline of both our and our neighbor's inherited lot is the promised land. Therefore, our inherited lot as well as the inherited lot of our neighbor is the soil of our heart and our body that is created by God from the earth. We conclude that the territory of our heart and our body is a battlefield where God leads battle for control against the old person who lives within the body being supported by organized powers of darkness that possess our heart and our body from the time of the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden. We ask the question, in what way and during what circumstances are we able to infringe upon the sovereign rights of our neighbor? Infringing upon the sovereign rights of our neighbor, we first are infringing upon our heart and our body, siding with the devil in order to lead battle together with his armies, to possess our heart and our body in the form of our neighbor. Because our neighbor is Jesus Christ, and those that delegate, that are delegated by him, our spirit, and also the saints, that possess the virtue of a stranger, fatherless, and widow. Infringement upon the landmark of our neighbor can happen upon the condition when our intelligent abilities rule and control our feelings and infringe upon the intelligent abilities of our heart in the likeness of the leaders of Judah who fell away from God. The princes of Judah are like those who remove a landmark. I will pour out my wrath on them like water. Hosea 5.10 Infringement upon the landmark of our neighbor happens when we seize the flock of our neighbor and feed on them in our own place as our own possession. Which is why, since the time we are not hidden from the Almighty, why do those who know Him see not His days? Some remove landmarks, they seize flocks violently and feed on them. Job's 24, 1 and 2. This happens when we ascribe to ourselves the thoughts of our neighbor, our neighbor being the person that is a father from God to us. These thoughts being the revelations of the Holy Spirit. Why does he drive away flocks, other flocks, because he does not see his own, so he uh, claims them for himself. And these flocks are the revelations of the Holy Spirit, and they present them as their own independent revelations that they themselves, as if received. The next type of infringement upon the landmark of our neighbor, when we drive away the donkey of the fatherless in order to satisfy our own personal desires. This happens when we exploit 
our position. This is all written in Job, Job chapter 24. Again, we, this happens when we exploit our position as one that is in authority and leader of a service, present our own personal whims as the will of God, and inspire our neighbor to fulfill our whims as the will of God. Today, there are many of these unfortunate pastors that present their whims as the will of God and force others to fulfill these whims. And in this way, they infringe upon the rights of their neighbor. For example, one of these kinds of leaders alluding on my spiritual authority states that the will of God is to have fun or enjoy nature and prepare shish kebabs or other types of foods. And if anyone refuses to go or to do this, such refusal is, is considered an undesired to serve God and is an impingement on his authority. Infringement upon the landmark of our neighbor when we take the widow's ox as a pledge as she has nothing else with which to pay the debt of her deceased husband. Since the times are not hidden from the Almighty, why do these who know him see not his days? Some remove landmarks, they seize flocks violently and feed on them. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless, they take the widow's ox as a pledge. Job 24, 1-3. The next form of infringement upon the landmark of our neighbor when we push the needy off the road who are walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. What is happening here? We push them from the street, from the road. Since times are not hidden from the Almighty, why do these who know him see not his days? Some remove landmarks, they seize flocks violently and feed on them. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless, they take the widow's ox as a pledge. They push the needy off the road, all the poor of the land are forced to hide. Job's 24, 1-4. Fourth, in order to demonstrate brotherly kindness in your faith in the holy love of God Agape, it is necessary to hate all the wicked and who perform lawlessness. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty man and deceitful man. Psalm 5, 4 through 6. You see how God's love is. It loves only its own. And the lawless and the wicked amongst the nation of God, it hates and prepares them as vessels for destruction so that nothing change for them. Evil person is a person who interchanges the works of God with his own works that come from the flesh, which he calls the will of God. The phrase, nor shall evil dwell with you, speaks about the fact that God does not make an agreement or union with people that are wicked and who perform lawlessness, who speak falsehood and whose tongue crafts deceit, who present deceit as the truth and the truth as deceit. Furthermore, an evil person is a person not acknowledging within the church of saints the order existing within the body of Christ, whose head is one individual that is placed by God, who is clothed into the authority of a father from God. Then they said to him, to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. John 6, 28 through 29. 
he was talking about uh, it was talking about Christ himself and those whom he has delegated as the Father has sent me, I send you. The sins you forgive will be forgiven. The sins you retain will be retained. If we do to cowardice, do not defend our neighbor who has been trusted with the word of God in the presence of the majority and those who with power. We in this way even secretly allow deceit to form within our essence and are partakers of the reprise or violence that is being done against our neighbor. I've told you before that there's been a sufficient amount of people, pastors, who have approached me, who've spoken with me, and said, Brother Arkady, we know that you are one sent by God. The words that you speak are a revelation from God. We acknowledge this, but we want to tell you that if the majority of the brothers, pastors, will be against you, I will be on their side, we will be on their side. But you need to know secretly within my heart that I am actually in support of you. They think that in their heart they are supporting supporting God's delegated ones, but they, in this way, by siding with them, uh, support their decisions to uh, be violent and be hateful against this person. Fifth, in order to demonstrate brotherly kindness in your faith, in the love of God agape, it is necessary to cheat. It is necessary not to cheat or rob our neighbor that is hired by us, and his wage should not remain with us until morning. You shall not cheat your neighbor nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. Leviticus 19.13 Fulfilling the given instruction given as a commandment equal to the greatest of commandments, giving us the legitimate ability to pass from death to life. Our brother in the form of our neighbor is presented in the given place as a man we hire. Considering that such a commandment for the Israelite nation was to be fulfilled literally, as for them every Israelite was a neighbor. For us, this commandment, aside from its direct meaning, contains specific signs by which we can determine our neighbors in the Church of Saints. Because just as we previously stated, not every person in the Church of Saints can be our neighbor and furthermore become a man we hire. First question, under what circumstances does our brother lose his right to be called our neighbor? Second question, under what circumstances is our brother in the form of our neighbor able to turn out to be a man we hire? Third question, in what way are we able to cheat our neighbor, rob him, and withhold his wage until morning? First question, under what circumstances does our brother lose his right to be called our neighbor? The main reason as to why our brother loses his right to be called and to be our neighbor is him being disorderly. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he receives from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. When it says to not be with them, that means to distance yourself from them, do not take part with them, do not eat with them. You shall distance yourself from everyone who walks disorderly. 
for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly amongst you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For everyone, even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk amongst you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and extort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. We can determine our brother being disorderly by how he behaves with the person who has the authority of a father from God who is our brother and represents the function of Christ as our neighbor. First, we, if we see that our brother behaves disorderly, he loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. Helping and demonstrating love toward a brother that behaves disorderly, we lose our legitimate right to pass from death to life and will share in the reward that is prepared for every person that behaves disorderly, and furthermore, we need to distance ourselves from such a brother. Second, if any brother denies justification by faith, which we receive by the moving of our sins from Christ upon the devil, as the goat Azazel, he behaves rebelliously or disorderly and loses his right to be called and to be our neighbor. <clears throat> you have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Galatians 5, 4 through 10. Third, if any brother rejects the commandment of tithes and offerings, claiming that they are part of the Old Testament, that they in reality are not, he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive them. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3, 7 through 12. If any brother denies the fact that we should not be consuming wine and other alcoholic beverages, 
thinking that there's some kind of balance that can exist there, then he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. Leviticus 10, 8 through 11. We as priests of the new covenant are priests 24 hours a day within the temple of our body. And so 24 hours a day, we don't have the right to consume any alcoholic drinks or beverages. Do not deceive yourselves and do not convince yourselves or others. You won't even imagine where you will end up when you pass over to the other side of the river thinking that you were going to heaven together with your somewhat balanced or in control drinking, but you will not. If any brother rejects the order or structure of theocracy in which the body of Christ functions, he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And as it says, he says to them again. So he's saying to this, saying this to them a second time. Peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins, they are retained. Second Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. In other words, not a single promise is able to become ours without these people. Not a single sin uh, can we be free from or become free from <clears throat> if we are not free, <clears throat> if we don't have God's delegated person over ourselves. <clears throat> and when we refuse to acknowledge God's authority, then we don't even realize that we're refusing the right to be forgiven. Sixth, if any brother ascribes revelations to himself that do not belong to him and perverts them for the sake of his popularity and greed, he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and be our neighbor. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongue and say, He says. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 29 through 32.
Second question, under what circumstances is our brother in the form of our neighbor able to turn out to be a man we hire? We looked at who can be called our brother, a rebellious or person who is disorderly, is not able to be our brother, and now we are going to talk about how our neighbor can become our, a man for hire. Relevant to this question, we will turn to one place of scripture in which is presented the interested to a circumstance. And if one of your brethren who dwells by you becomes poor and sells himself to you, you shall not compel him to serve as a slave. As a hired servant and as a sojourner, he shall be with you and shall serve you until the year of Jubilee. And then he shall depart from you, he and his children, with him, and shall return to his own family. He shall return to the possession of his father. For they are my servants, whom I, I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him with rigor, but you shall you shall rule over him with rigor, but you shall fear, fear uh, your God. Leviticus 25, 39 through 43. <clears throat> This command is the shadow of coming good, as in, as in it we see the form of our neighbor in the form of our spirit that is able to become impoverished in one situation, and that is when it's experiencing brokenness, and is sold into slavery to the soul, by the means of which he re receives the ability to receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven and grow, it into the, grow its fruits of righteousness. What does it mean, the brokenness of our spirit? This is when we place our spirit upon the altar. At this time, we're broken. Upon the altar, everything is broken and dead. <clears throat> and God says, I need this in order to enliven the spirit. If you don't break yourself, then there's nothing to reform or re rebuild. The brokenness of our spirit is the mutual collaboration of God and man where our spirit by being baptized by water, Holy Spirit and fire is submerged into the death of Christ and then by fulfilling specific conditions is clothed into the resurrection of Christ where it begins to bear the fruits of righteousness. This process is well presented in the metaphor presented in the book of the Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon 4:12 through 16. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with a pleasant fruit, fragrant henna with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and a stream from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow upon my garden, that its spices may flow out. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its pleasant, pleasant fruits. Songs of Solomon 4.12-16 Here we could see a broken spirit, an impoverished spirit, that is, as a man of hire, everything that our spirit experiences happens through the mind of our soul. It becomes dependent on our mind. And so our mind needs to not behave roughly with our spirit because by him the revelations come. But he 
experiences, does not experience the power of the Spirit over himself and is not able to. And so the phrase enclosed, a garden enclosed, identifying the state of the fruit of the Spirit within our heart, the word enclosed means imprisoned within their personal entrails, covered from other eyes, locked with a key, tying sandals, putting shoes upon your feet, prepared to present the interests of the light. The phrase a garden enclosed is the state where the spirit is not yet broken, which has matured but not able to yet be eaten for the reason that it is locked with a key. And so the presence of the fruits of righteousness being matured means that our spirit is ready to be broken. When it's locked with a key, that doesn't mean it's yet broken, which gives God proper grounds by the means of the north and south wind to be able to break it so that the beloved one, as the groom, would be able to come into the garden and eat its sweet fruits. You know that an altar is uh, pretty much the... The banquet uh, hall or the place or the table where the Lord eats. And so we again break our spirit, we present ourselves upon the altar. This is God's table uh, upon which He eats. And so at this time where this is happening, where our fruits are matured but we're not yet broken, that means we want to but have not yet passed into the next stage. And so the phrase where it says, O north wind, come and O south, this is the agreement of a person to have his spirit broken by the means of these two winds. It is only after these two winds blow upon our spirit, our spirit then passes from the state of a locked or enclosed garden into the state of brokenness, which allows us to be a light and then to spread then the fragrance of Christ. Our garden is opened by these winds and the beloved can then go in or enter and eat these sweet fruits. The purpose of the northern wind presents the symbol of the teaching of the cross of Christ where we see the baptism of the water, spirit, and fire. And by the death of the Lord Jesus separates us from the power of our nation, the house of our Father, and the power of our soul. This is very important to understand. The purpose of the northern wind is the teaching of laying on of the hands, which clothes us and gives us the ability to collaborate our mind with the mind of Christ, so that we can get to know the will of God, which is good acceptable and perfect <clears throat> so we not rise against our brother and our neighbor on our spirit because he's broken not make him our enemy because he is the possession of the Lord third question in what way are we able to cheat our brother who is our neighbor representing our spirit that is in the state and process of brokenness rob him and withhold his wage until morning the symbol of the morning within our trifold essence is the symbol of the uh, year of Jubilee, where we come to understanding 
the necessity to receive over ourselves the rule of the Holy Spirit so that he could become the Lord and Master of our life. This is the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, a person receives the Holy Spirit as his Lord and his Master. Not baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues, but rather the Lord himself. The Holy Spirit as the Master of your household. There's baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues, and it's not possible in this situation to receive him as the individual himself. It's very uh, dangerous to think that if you're baptized, baptized in speaking in tongues, that you already have the Holy Spirit. You can't, as an infant in Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. If I speak with the tongue of angels and of man, but do not have love, then I am just a noisy symbol. Apostle Paul wrote this so that people who speak in speaking in tongues not think that they are spiritual. A spiritual person is one with a changed character by the cross of, the, of Christ. The cross of Christ is the key to the treasury of the blood of Christ. If the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin, then the cross of Jesus Christ separates us from the producer of the sin. And so the symbol again of this morning again is this day of jubilee when we receive the Lord, that uh, the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, as our Lord. When we place ourselves in dependence of the Holy Spirit, will who will then now reveal the mystery that is in our heart that we previously received. And so to rob your neighbor as your spirit, which is in the state of brokenness, means to ascribe the intelligent virtues of the spirit to the intelligent abilities of your soul. At this time, through our mind, come the revelations for our spirit, and we're in awe, we understand it with our mind. But don't think this way because this is given for the spirit. It comes to our mind, but it belongs to our spirit. And as soon as you begin to ascribe this to your abilities, your intelligent abilities, I'm talking about the intelligent abilities of the soul, then we begin to rob our spirit and to withhold payment from our neighbor means who is this neighbor being our spirit that is broken means that we do not acknowledge the rule of the Holy Spirit over the intelligent abilities of our soul. And so these unique uh, symbols are so important for us, necessary for us so that we understand how we need to behave with our spirit when it is broken and presents itself upon the altar. At this time, he's not able to rule over the soul, he's not able to give anything to the soul, but it can be as a man of hire. Our mind is able to use it, but as a man of hire, but not yet not as a ser servant or slave. You need to treat it with respect when he has become impoverished. This can happen, as I have no more time, 
this can happen also with our neighbors that represent Christ. They also, before our face, will be broken and you will see their weakness, that they're not able to demonstrate some kind of might, some kind of rule, some kind of specific anointing. As one brother who left said, if the pastor is sick and not able to be free uh, from his illnesses, what are we doing in this church? As if they follow someone who cannot get ill, who himself was also ill and was also in the hospital. Here we're talking about the fact that God will allow, God will allow that the apostles for a specific time uh, will be before the church is broken and they will see the weakness. And Paul says, you have seen my weak, uh, weakness in the flesh. And so it's not just our spirit, but also our leaders, because this will happen all together, this simultaneously. That doesn't mean that he will have this weakness separate from you. Together with you, he's being perfected. Together with you, he's going upon the altar. And God shows here, is showing how to break your spirit. First, he breaks it in him, and you see that visibly. And now he says, look at him and do the same thing. With a special love, God loves us. And so he reveals the tre his treasury in order to prepare us not just to receive into our heart that great and glorious hope of the adoption of our body, but to perfect this literally. And if we consider ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and if we have accepted the promise that belongs to the door of our hope in the adoption of our body, continue to confess this. The time is coming, it's coming and it's close, when God will accomplish this. He will not allow that you have conceived and, not, and that you will not be able to bear because this is in his interest that this happens. We are his possession, his holiness. Right now we are going to pray and all those who want to resist their soul, their sinful nature, possibly someone has seen they were corrected by the Holy Spirit, but this was love. Correction is always a demonstration of love. This is not punishment. We shall receive this with love. And if we have noticed that we in some way have violated, infringed upon the boundaries of our neighbor, our spirit, or a person who ha is a father from God to us, be the saints that are amongst us that have the virtue of a stranger, fatherless, and widow. Let us speak about one another, good things. We will look at each other with the eyes of God, who they are for God and what God has done for them, for us. This will allow us to see something and allow the Holy Spirit to pass us from death to life. Amen. Let us pray and we 
let us bend our knees and pray, and the Holy Spirit waits for you here at the altar. God is for you. He is not against you. ask you to pray your I would like ask you to pray together with me and deeply believe that God is for you he is not against you he is here not to judge you but to show you mercy to restore your relationship with him and to do good for you with his great goodness close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. You see my heart. You see it is wounded, wounded by sin, wounded by my personal lusts. I hate sin. I hate personal lusts and desires. I love your inheritance. I love your church. I love you. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Heal me. Remove my shame. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed. I am cleansed. I am healed. I am restored. I am justified and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May look, He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May all this come upon you and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. Blessed is our Lord. Blessed is His truth within our heart. And blessed is the Holy Spirit who reveals this truth in our heart. 
And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.